You're listening to Future Theater Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Hi, everybody. It is April 4th, the first Monday in April of 2016. Snow is on the way to the Northeast, and we are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Snow? You say? Snow. Snow. No, 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 no. We're done with the snow here. We have it here, but it's already snowing up in the Northeast, and we are your co-hosts on Future Theater Live, broadcasting from the banks of Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Solbury Village, Pennsylvania, on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network, and our, our producer tonight is uh who's our producer it's it's angel it's angel me me. yes but we also have we're we're building a we're building an empire we have amy collins who's our producer for the guest part you know see okay and then we have chris brown before i forget i'd never want to forget chris brown hi chris hello 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 i know okay so now let me ask a question really fast can we come up with a name for a producer who's the technical producer and a producer who is the intellectual? No, wrong word. Um, gets the guests. Uh, booking, <laughs> booking producer. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Booking producer. Okay. Booking. 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 Good. Booking. The bookings report. That's excellent. I like that. Booking producer. Booking. Okay, and booking producer who has not booked our guest tonight, but in fact, my excellent husband has booked our guest tonight. Um, we bring back an old friend of yours, Angel, and he brings another guest. Ooh, so we have ooh, a, a Bob Davis. Uh, we have a, oh, a, a, a Doctor Doctor Robert Davis. He yes. has written a book, and he's working on another. And Ray Hernandez is oh. your neighbor. Is your neighbor in Florida? Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me look for the boo button on the. Oh, stop. Stop. Listen, yeah. listen. I trust Bill's taste implicitly, and if and if Bill and Ray, if they do whatever guys do, you know, not that. Well, no, see, that I mean, see, that's, that's easy. Look, Bill is a fascinating human being who anybody in their right mind would want to be friends with, and Ray Hernandez wants to be friends with everybody in ufology because he wants to make a name for himself. So. No, I don't. Bill's not that way though. Bill really could suss that out if that were the case. He no, really believe can. me. David Jacobs uh, uh, is 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 not a friend. I can tell you, he. Clicked up, clicked off on me, but the the the. Um, no, no, we we're not talking about Davis. We're talking about. Uh, no, we're talking about Ray Hernandez. Ray well, Hernandez. well, okay. So here's uh, the nut of the pro- for for listeners who are confused. Uh, a few sky watchers back, a few weeks back, Before maybe March, maybe March. No, maybe February. February. I was going to say February. Yeah, there was like February last year. Right. Yeah. Um, you had the whole team together and. It was everything was going really well, and Ray was the guest, Ray Hernandez, and then it kind of like the wheels started to fall off, and it became just a crash scene. Now, listen, I suggest people go and listen, and if you know and love uh, PSN, you know that Angel's been he's been having a hard time, and the stress shows sometimes. And but this was not even that. This this was a little of that. That was odd because I honestly I didn't really. Put that much pressure on him for anything. Uh, when we were on the air, I was very polite the whole time. 
he got upset because I asked him a couple questions where he couldn't really answer them. And then he kind of got upset because I went back to a certain question, which had to do with cancer. And it I was a, a person yeah. that he claims is a part of the organization that he represents who was cured by aliens of cancer. As the listeners know, my mother just passed away from cancer. Mm -hmm. So when you're telling me that you have somebody who has been cured of a cancer who was dying. I know. And they were cured. I know. The, you know, the curiosity of me wants to know how did it happen? It you breaks know, your heart. I want to speak to this person. Right, it hits a nerve. Right. And when he couldn't provide any details, and he's, he just got angry for no reason because I wasn't even being mean. If you listen to the interview, even when he you know, gets angry and, and he says what he says and hangs up, I wasn't really like being mean about it. I just kind of brought it up again. I said, look, Ray, you know, you can't really you know, say something like that and expect somebody not to ask you any more questions over it, which is a logical thing. You can't just bring up a, you know, a bomb like that and say, hey, you know, one of our guys was cured by cancer and they were, they were in their deathbed. And then not expect mm -hmm. the person who has a mother dying of cancer to not ask a question. Now, you know, I, he doesn't know that my mother was sick, I'm sure. He probably had mm -hmm. no idea. Right. So it's not his fault in that sense. But if you're representing this group, that has, you know, the people involved in it, like Edgar Mitchell, before he passed away, rest in peace. And, mm -hmm. you know, folks that are involved, which are very reputable folks. I mean, these are individuals that I have a lot of respect for. And, and they're involved in this organization with you. And you're a spokesperson when you're on the radio. you got to know your shit. Well, I think tonight will be gotta, a revelation. you got to be able to I, explain I, things and not get upset when somebody asks you a question. Well, let's hope that tonight's show will be a nice bookend for the rest of the story, the rest of the answers, because um, the guest tonight, first of all, this group free that is represented tonight by board members is one of our, I think, our best best hopes to get some answers in this very, very shaky field. And I think that uh, when you and said I prestigious, and I don't, and I don't and you I don't weren't kidding. With that. I don't yeah. disagree with that. I mean, yeah. I think they, they could, if things uh -huh. are done correctly, they could do the right. right things. The problem is the way they're acquiring data is very shady and suspect. Well, and that's, that's, gonna, them about uh, that. that's and, the issue. Yeah, uh, but you know what? You know what? I, I, I disagree. Asked, but I'm asked, asked, no, no, but hold on. When I asked him, I kind of told him a couple things that, that are shady about it. He got upset because he couldn't have an, he didn't have an answer for it. When we asked him a very simple thing, like, look, the people that you think are legit that are, that are filling these things out, that you, that you really believe are, are, are experiencers, why don't you give them a lie detector test? Oh, why don't you pay for the lie detector? I, as I said, I think it went off the rails, to be honest with you. And I think tonight it certainly won't go off the rails because you are a gentleman, and I believe that um, I believe that this organization is, as I said, our, uh, a hope that, that we might be able to get the record straight. And believe me, I, I, I'm much more amenable to the woo-woo part the fact that there are that they, that there are different modalities that are that they're actually trying to um, uh, you know take notation on what does that word calculate you know get statistics well, the, well, the for issue, look the, the the issue is methodology I mean if you tout the mm -hmm. if you tout the um, academic and the professional legitimacy of a group that's making a study of um, ET contact then you've got to be prepared. And that's when I spoke to Ray, as I said, that's, that's what we wanted to ask. It was what is the methodology that you guys are using and why, does, and why is that methodology superior? You know, we, well, we, right. both talked, we both talked about the crackpots. 
we both talked about people who make claims that are wacky uh, that really can't be verified and that and they and they hurt people and they dis- hurt people by taking um, their stories right. you know if, okay Ray, and I want to ask By the way, this. I want to make a correction. Sorry, Nancy, to cut you off. Uh, it, it was December 2nd of last year, not February. I goofed on the thing. Okay. All right. Wow, I was, that's guys, long. That might have been a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. So yeah. if you guys yeah. are listening and you want to listen to that archive, go to skywatchersradio.com. It's December 2nd, 2015. Uh, somebody here in the chat, uh, Zimmerlink, uh, said that he heard the show and he sent a complimentary email to myself uh, because he agreed with what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Well, tonight, you know, it will be a good chance to air it all out again and see and so forth. And and, and it, it's a completely innocent um, uh, scheduling. Bill did not know about the Skywatcher show. I did know about the Skywatcher show. You did or didn't? I did. No, I don't think so. I did, but what I wanted to get to really? with, with Ray and Bob Davis and um, I think it's Randy Shield and um, it was it was talking about because they were very proud of their methodology as an academic and professional approach to this. And what always impressed me about this group, even though I kind of have a foot in one foot in each world, because on the other hand, uh, I'm working with, uh, I'm writing a forward for Emma Wood's new book, um, along with, I think, Jack Brewer and Tyler Cochon. I'm not sure if he's, but I mean, I'm running a forward. And so that group um, really does discredit the whole free group as well. So I'm kind of sitting in the middle, and, and what impressed me about the free group were, uh, were, were names like Edgar Mitchell right. and Shields and people like that, and Bob Davis. These guys are, are, are PhDs. Ray uh, is... Yeah, no, Bill, like I, like I said, I mean, the, the organization, the people that are involved are... Legit people in this field, mm-hmm. so I mean, yeah, you're not talking about just you know your average nobody. Like, you know, there are some legit names, which is why I asked the questions that I did because I figured right. they would have the answers. Yeah, and then you design your forms so that you could easily so you could easily run statistical analysis on the content of those forms, so you can compare and contrast answers and really get a sense of what the trends are. So I understand that. And that in the UFO field, that's generally not done. You generally don't run those kinds of analyses. You just take these anecdotal stories as one-offs. And that was my, at some point, I mean, David Mack tried, to, uh, John Mack tried to do that at Harvard. And one of the members of the board is a colleague of John Mack. Exactly. So therefore, and also, have you read the methodology report that they have yeah. on the website? Okay. Okay. Just checking but that's why I, I i wanted ray to um well, have you give ever an executive asked... summary of that methodology report okay well when you were you guys were chatting have you ever asked him about his opinion about david jacobs and bud hopkins and their methodology we talked a little bit about that well, and is it I worth it... bringing up i think it might be yeah bring it up i cool. absolutely made it clear that my um, critique of uh, David Jacobs and Bud Hopkins was that they take stories about alien abduction from their respondents and they actually do these pre-interviews in which they're talking to these people about their about the phenomena they witnessed, then go through the whole procedure of regression. And the problem is they've actually preconditioned 
the people they're supposed to be working with. That's right. right. They're implanting the memory is what they're doing. Well, right. in, exactly. in David Jacobs' yeah. case, uh, uh, let's just say writer to writer, I could see a guy who was basically building his next book, and that's what happened mm. when when Emma Roberts, uh, Emma Woods rather, um, a, a pseudonym, but a very interesting person, um, and we'll have her on the show you know, soon. She's a little bit, she's working on a book. Right. And, um, um, by the way, just, just because Chris is here and I just want I wanted to say, I brought a, um, I brought another joke, Uh-oh. not for Chris per se, but just a nice okay. joke. Cause I figured we you said a really, by the way, you, you, you said a, you said a really funny joke in Skype chat earlier. I'm just saying. I know. And it <laughs> must remain there. It must remain there. Sad to say, Ooh. because, you Once know, you it was joke. excellent. It was excellent. I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you got it. Um, it it's um, it's fun to tell jokes in. in you never in, tell yeah. jokes to me. Well, yes, I do. Um, it, what Angel's referring to is the kind of joke you do on the spot, on the spur of the moment. Oh. It, it suits the moment. And I do that. Oh, well, we do that. oh, wit. nobody. <clears throat> OK, but here's a cool joke. It's um, it's a it's a div- it's a programmer's joke. And I like it because it really tells you why programming is so much fun and also, you know, so hard to understand. And, and it goes like this. You'll like it, maybe. It's not ha-ha funny. So, it's a, de- a nerd it, joke. It's, a, yeah. it's nerd humor. Yeah. Chris will like it. A developer's wife sends him to the grocery store with the instructions, get a loaf of bread, and if they have eggs, get a dozen. He comes home with a dozen loaves of bread and tells her they, have it, they had eggs. Chris? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm still trying to get it. <laughs> That's why it's a programmer's joke. Um, it's, it goes like Doesn't this. eggs? Doesn't... No, so, so here's the sentence. Get a loaf of bread, and if they have eggs, get a dozen. Now, we take for granted, we understand that when, if they have eggs, get a dozen. But in programming language, the, the, he was being told to get a loaf of bread, and if they have eggs, get a dozen loaves of bread. You say, the if they have eggs doesn't tell you to get eggs to Hold get on. a dozen let, of them. Let me see if I have the boo button here on the. On the <sighs> I'll try harder next week. No, it, it's I'll not that. It's nobody. It made there's me a much laugh. bigger issue. There's a much bigger issue here. A much bigger think. issue. Okay, one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. Here's the much bigger issue. Here's the much bigger issue. This crystal presents, is more fun. That's the this problem. Joke, I'm really getting spoiled. This joke. <laughs> Seriously, making me laugh at how bad it is. <laughs> no, I will. I will. It's a knee slapper. Joke. That's for sure, Chris, isn't it? It's a. It's, it's, a, a, knee. Oh, it's a slapper of something, but yes, yeah, definitely. I will. I will. I will. This is the law. This is the. This is the larger context of the joke. La- human language is changing to incorporate both the symbology and the logic of programming. That's the point. It's well, the I point don't understand what that means. It's basically the, uh, the background of the joke. That's like Steve. Uh, that's like there'll be a joke with a comic, and the comic will say, "Yeah, yeah, you get them." Yeah, at laugh right now. Well, at laugh right now is actually a programmer joke because you've taken the at sign, which opens up. I guess it invokes Ruby, and then you basically. That is the text, laugh right now. And but notice how that, which is actually code, is built into the English language conversationally, just like this. If they if they have eggs, get a dozen, but you didn't close off the bracket 
of bread. Mm. Yeah. So that you know, you just for, lost half the audience, right, Bill? Like, yeah, but I have it. Okay, so I, I, know I, I so I have. And that, by the way, is my problem as a rule. No, but I also okay. So just in case, I brought a tidbit, an interesting thought. Um, on it, I get these from Reddit, and Reddit has a. Uh, I found out that anyway, if if you like Reddit, you should all look for a thing called the Reddit Enhancement Suite, R E S. Every browser has a Reddit enhancement suite, and you really need to download that and look at Reddit through it because it gives you all kinds of tools. And so one of the tools is um, on the front page of Reddit, when all the great news is streaming by, you can say, I don't want any news for oh. Marvel Comics, let's say. And in your case, Andrew, you might want that news. And you I can screen out. News. Oh, my goodness. You can screen out. You can make the best front page ever. And so this is a, this is a Reddit thread called Shower Thoughts. And shower thoughts are sort of like those ideas you get in the shower, you know. Right, right. Uh, or high, high or ideas. Or high ideas. Or high ideas. And it's this. I get those also, yes, yes. Exactly. If you stay up all night and sleep all day, maybe you were meant to live on the other side of the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's been, uh-huh. My, that's been my problem this whole time. See that? See, that's a little thing. Okay, and now speaking of Reddit and the biggest news in the world, have you guys been following this new, um, the greatest data dump ever called the Panama Papers? Is it the Panama Papers? Yeah, the Panama, yeah, the Panama Papers. Panama Papers. Yes. I, okay, I'm going to give you guys a link. I'm going to put it right in the Skype chat, which, by the way, maybe Angel or Chris could tell people how to get to the Skype chat because I have a great idea for that. Okay, and as you, well, you'll tell in a second how to get to the Skype chat. If you have Skype, you look for PSN chat, one word I think, yep. and just join right. the chat. Yep. It's 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 a group of people. And um, but here's the thing: we could maybe Angel share screens, um, and the chat people could actually see our screens. We could. I'm just we'd saying. Have to, we'd have to call everybody on that chat. You can't just share what do you mean? Like that. Well, uh, you could okay. stream through a. You could stream through. I have a buddy that owns a website, Bond uh, Bond Life, and you could stream oh, it through there. And they uh, have UFO channels and all that. They love Bill, by the way. They sit there and watch nothing but everybody UFO loves Bill, man. Yep, Come they on. watch UFO hunters and ancient aliens and all the shows that he's on twenty four seven. So he would hey. reel him in by putting his face on there. And uh, what is yeah, it called again? What Bond is it called? Life. You How do you spell it? Or something. How do you spell it? Yeah, spell it out. A U G H N live dot com. Is it B as in baby or V as in Victor? V as in uh, Victor. See that Vaughn? Vaughn. I say it totally differently. Vaughn. Vaughn. And then Vaughn. 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 I will put the link into the Skype chat right now. Okay. Now, oops, I just put, do that. I, Okay, I put the link of the Panama Papers in. It's a humongous link, uh, just like everything else. Uh, well, that's so weird. Okay, never mind. Um, i got to get that out of the chat. Okay, a terrible thing just happened in – I put in chat. I, I think I broke the chat. Uh-oh. What would you do next? I hope not. Um, I need to get the thing out that I just put in. It's a long story. Yeah, really. I've, uh, I've said that before. Huh. Yeah. I mean, this is serious. Um, I was okay. What I put in chat by mistake is the entire, and it's going to clog it up like crazy. I'm trying to. <laughs> I don't see it. Um, last okay, thing I so see it, is uh, Chris's uh, link. Good. Good. 
Good, and and maybe it just didn't go through because it's so darn. Oh, I didn't press return. Yeah, I don't think I, it went through. I can thank God. See, I had some. Have you ever on the Mac World? Whatever is stuck on your copy seems to paste the first time, even if you're pasting something else. So I was trying to get. I I may not. Oh, don't ask me any questions. Yeah, I thank won't. you. Uh, and uh, Lou is trying to call in. Lou's trying to call in, but for some reason I can't take his call. Is that allowing me? Okay. I don't know why that's happening with uh, Skype. Let me see if I could call him instead. Be careful. Be careful. Yeah, because believe me, well, there, there, down that path lies heartbreak. <laughs> oh boy! Seriously, <laughs> seriously. I mean, I mean and, and think I about now. how much. Think about you know we have alternative radio here. This is the greatest, most happening podcast, and it's we're completely dependent on Skype. One hundred percent dependent. We don't have yep. an alternate way of doing radio right now. Just oh no, there yeah. is. It's called Uvu. Oh yeah. Yep. And Uvu works better than Skype. And, yeah, of but, course, he's trying to call me when I'm trying to call him. Stop trying to call, Lou. Pick up when I call you. Don't try to call me. Come on, Lou. Always, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so uh, so p- the Panama Papers, you know what, the, what it is? Is they say it doesn't involve Western corporations very much, which is weird. Like, they're getting a pass on this. This is the rest of the world and how they've how they collude to create dummy companies to launder money. And it, it's the biggest um, data dump ever, way bi- way bigger than uh, the other guy, Snowden. Basically what the papers show is these were files from an international law firm. And this law firm specializes in setting up accounts at foreign banks and shell companies overseas in Europe and other places, Africa. And so when people try to trace the owners of these companies that hold these vast sums of money, they're simply money-holding companies. Uh, Nobody can find who the real identities of the holders are, of the owners are, because they're sheltered by the corporate structure of the entities this law firm creates. And And so this dump was internal emails and PDFs and internal communications from this particular law firm and the names were stunning in some of the papers, uh, especially showing that, for example, Vladimir Putin and his yes. associates had mm-hmm. amassed something on the order of $2 billion. The Kremlin has denied that, but that's what And one other showed. thing I wanted to point out, um, since um, I've been talking about, whoops, okay, I'm getting music, sorry. I don't know how to turn that off, I'll just close uh, it. That's on your end. I know. You're yes. not hearing it? Everybody can mm-hmm. hear it. I can't. Okay. No, no, I Angel can't. So we're okay. I'm, I'm try, It's a. It's the link I tried. I was trying the link, and sure enough. Oh yeah, Un, oh, I can't. can't I'm, I'm getting a spinning beach ball. So we're just Bill and I can hear it, but nobody else can. Okay. Ah, good. yes, it's a Mac. Mm-hmm. And a I've Mac got a spinning beach ball, so I just have to wait for it to stop. Actually, I'll force quit all of. Actually, what we should we do, what okay, we should do now, is it's the bottom of the hour. So what we should do... It's not yet. Not yet. You're too soon. Yeah, but it's not a bad idea because I do got to fix the Skype thing. Okay. Okay, so what we'll do, everybody, is we will take our break now. Uh, It might be a longish break, but stay with us uh, for these messages. And then when we come back, we will come back with our guests, uh, Ray Hernandez and Bob Davis, both from F-R-E-E Free 
which uh, if you follow any of their postings and look at their website, um, they are one of the first very academic and professional-based entities to analyze the reports of people who've had uh, anomalous or abnormal or paranormal contact with other beings. And it's not just ETs, but it's ETs and spirits. And, and um, so it, it's fascinating to talk about their methodology. So uh, on PSN Radio and uh, the Dark Matter Digital Network, we are Bill and Nancy Burns with our producers, Angela Spino and Amy Collins and Chris Brown. And we'll be back with our guests, Bob Davis and Ray Hernandez, after this. So don't go away. Flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. Imagine no longer being being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man of steel and more supermanhomepage.com here's a riddle for you what do the california gold rush of the 1850s secret societies coded messages mysterious 19th century flying machines and an early 20th century outside artist named charles a.a delshaw all have in common the secrets of delshaw by dennis crenshaw and pete navarro go to www secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. 
back on Future Digital Live on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network with our guests Ray Hernandez and Dr. Robert Davis from F-R-E-E Free. And uh, I, I just want to open it up real quick. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Uh, I want to open it up uh, uh, real quick with um, first Ray asking you, uh, for folks who don't know, and the UFO community does know about it, but for folks who don't know, tell us what free is and wh- uh, who is part of it and what are you doing. Okay. Free stands for the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters. And uh, the four co-founders of Free uh, are Dr., uh, uh, the late Dr. Edgar Mitchell, um, our executive director is Dr. Rudy Shields, who is a 75-year-old emeritus professor of astrophysics at Harvard University and was a very close colleague of the late Dr. John Mack for many, many years. Uh, the other uh, co-founder is Mary Rodwell, who is a researcher in uh, Australia and myself. And uh, it's named after Dr. Gamichel because he gave us authority uh, several months before he died in a taped interview uh, to name the organization uh, on behalf of his legacy. And the other members of our organization are some individuals that you might know. Uh, one is Kathleen Martin, uh, who is a very well-known researcher. She uh, is the director of MUFON's Experiencer Research Group, mm-hmm. and she wrote the book on Benny and Barney Hill and several uh, uh, major bestsellers with uh, uh, Stan Friedman. Right. Uh, then we have uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, uh, who uh, has written 62 books <laughs> on various topics of the paranormal. And uh, she was she was brought in to replace Bill with George Nori when um, we stopped working with Nori. Mir- Rosemary, Rosemary, Rosemary Ellen, Rosemary, Ro- yes, Rosemary, Rosemary Ellen, Ellen Guiley. Guiley, yeah. So we do know. Yes, she's a and, she's cool, and she's also an experiencer. Uh, the other okay. person is another academic, uh, Dr. John Klimo. Uh, he was a tenured professor for over 40 years of psychology, uh, and he was considered uh, one of the world's leading experts in the fields of transpersonal psychology and parapsychology. And his most famous book is a book on channeling. It's an academic book on channeling. Mm-hmm. And he's written articles and books on NDEs and you name it, everything associated with the paranormal. And uh, the other uh, individuals on our board of directors is Dr. Illebran von Ludwiger, mm-hmm. uh, who is a, a physicist, and he's considered uh, one of the top uh, uh, ufologists in Europe. And he's written, uh, it's either four or eight, I forgot which one, uh, uh, UFO books, all science-based books, because he's a PhD uh uh, 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 in, in physics, and uh, uh, he's very well known in Europe, and uh, he was uh, has been MUFON's representative in Germany for over 40 years. And then uh, the other member of our committee is also an experiencer. His name is Giorgio Piacenza, and uh, he is an academic and a scholar, a philosopher, and he's written many, many articles on the topic of consciousness and ET contact. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and then, obviously, Dr. Bob Davis, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll let him introduce himself in detail, but basically Bob is uh, also a retired professor of neuroscience for over 30 years at the State University of New York. And, oh, uh, uh, which branch, Robert? 
Oh, SUNY at Plattsburgh. Okay. And so th- that is our board of directors. It's a mix uh, of uh, retired academics, uh, people with advanced degrees, uh, such as myself, and, uh, and people that have been out in the field for many, many years, like Kathleen, like Mary, Rosemary, uh, Giorgio, Dr. Illibrand, John Climo, um, and roughly half of the people on our board are experiencers. Uh, some are out of the closet and, and some are not. And what about Dr. Robert? Are you an experiencer? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay, and, and so, uh, but you, Ray, are correct. Yes, I am. And yep. um, but, but Bob did see a UFO out in the desert with his wife, okay. and that's what got him interested in this topic. Experiencer at a, at a lo- very low level. Right, right, right. <laughs> not, not upfront and personal. Well, Ray, can you talk about your experience? I, I'm, I have not re-listened to our last talk a year ago. But you probably did, and I've probably forgotten. Could you repeat it for everybody? Sure, Who's I'll try to. I'll try to be very brief. No, uh, no go ahead and expound. Uh, no, bef- really. Uh, before March of 2012, um, I had uh, no concept of uh, of ETs, ufology, aliens, the paranormal, and absolutely zero interest in these topics. And then in March of 2012, my wife had an experience inside our living room where um, she was basically uh, uh, abducted uh, for about 45 minutes. I was put to sleep. Um, she had missing time. Uh, to her, it was like she just looked on the ground. And then... Um, <clears throat> uh, I remember it now, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, uh, it all revolved around a dog, that our pet dog that was 16 years old, and we were going to be euthanizing her that day. Uh, my wife had been praying the night before for a miracle, um, and uh, and in the morning, uh, a little craft appeared in the living room uh, to her. And then when she uh, had been calling me, I, I didn't go downstairs. She physically pulled me out of bed. And then when she uh, when we went downstairs to, for her to show me that little craft that she saw, uh, she disappeared in front of my eyes. And then uh, all of a sudden, I was under mind control by this entity. And what I saw was not what she saw. What I saw was a floating plasma being. That uh, controlled my mind, uh, eventually put me to sleep, and then 45 minutes later when I woke up, uh, uh, and I, ran, uh, I, uh, I ran downstairs uh, after I went back upstairs to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I basically waved my hand at it, and I said, this is you know, BS. This is what, what she got me down here for, for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. And meanwhile, she had disappeared right in front of me, and I just didn't care. And so then when I returned down the stairs, she immediately reappeared exactly where she was taken. And the dog was like a little puppy. And then uh, then we couldn't get our story straight because I didn't know of this concept of missing time until about six months later that someone explained it to me. Because uh, she saw one thing and experienced one thing. I saw something else and experienced something else. And uh, and I was trying to tell her that you just disappeared. And I went upstairs and she was, no, you didn't go upstairs. You were mm-hmm. here the whole time. And and uh, so that was just the very beginning. And then after that, she had numerous experiences with crafts. <clears throat> and two of these experiences, she had uh, family members with her as witnesses. And these wow. crafts were very, very close uh, to her. This but never before next- 2012? No, never, never, never before. And did mm. did you suddenly start working in the UFO field or something around then? No, no, I had absolutely zero interest in these topic areas. Mm. And it was only um, after uh, 
I and my daughter and three other witnesses saw a big, huge, gigantic craft literally 30 feet away from us that at that point I contacted MUFON because it was just continuous, these events. And it wasn't myself. It was my wife, my daughter, and she had numerous witnesses. And then uh, with the event outside, we had uh, my daughter and three other witnesses. And these were adults. These were you know, um, a Mexican uh, uh, Catholic <laughs> that goes to church every Sunday. His wife is from Colombia, the same thing. Right. And, and, so, um, and so I immediately contacted MUFON, and we had uh, this lady, Mary Margaret Zimmer, uh, who's uh, right here out of Miami. At one time, she was number two in the MUFON hierarchy in, in, in Florida, and she had been working uh, with MUFON for many, many years, and she was part of the MUFON star team and whatever. So her husband, as a matter of fact, just recently retired from um, that office down here that, that, that deals with the hurricanes, the Hurricane Center, uh, as part of the federal government. And so they both came, and they spent many, many hours interviewing uh, my wife and I. And I think they might have even asked our daughter some questions as well. Um, and we drew drawings for them. You know, it was the full works uh, mm-hmm. because I thought this was going to be headline news. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's how fun. I felt after mine. Came. I was wanting to ask you real quick, Ray. How about the dog? You were going to euthanize it the next day, and he said it was like a puppy. Did the dog live longer? Did it have? It, it lived for another year. It lived for another oh. year. And before uh, she got the stroke, she got the stroke the night before. Before she had the stroke, she was like uh, an old lady on crutches, walking very gingerly before her arthritis. She was taking Viagra for her heart. She was taking diuretics to flush out the excess water um, in her lungs and heart and kidneys. And then a couple of days later, we brought her to the vet because she was like a, a teenager. And we were afraid to keep on giving her all this medication. So he asked her what happened, and we didn't tell him. We yeah. just told him we changed the diet. And he says, well, she looks perfectly healthy. I don't know, you know, what happened? A miracle happened. What happened, you know? And we still kept to the same story. It wasn't until a year later when um, she just deteriorated rapidly over a two-week period uh, that we then brought her to the vet because she was almost at the point where, again, she wasn't moving at all. And then we told the vet the truth. And my daughter was there. And he and, uh, he and his um, his daughter and my daughter went to the same school. They were in the same class. Oh, okay. And so he was asking our daughter, you know, like, you know, is this true what your parents are telling us? And she says, yes. You know, I was there with my daddy when we saw that big UFO. And so he, he quickly changed the subject, you know, because it was sure. just uh, too much for him to handle. Mm-hmm. And so that began n- numerous other types of synchronicities and experiences uh uh, which you know we don't have enough time to detail, but uh, before this, oh. I had zero interest in these uh, in these topics. Well, Ray, how how, how did the veterinarian? And, and I've got a a rationale for this question, a reason for this question. But how did the veterinarian? What did the veterinarian say to you about the remission of all your dog symptoms? He couldn't explain it, and I couldn't explain it. Yeah, well, couldn't well you couldn't it. explain it because you didn't want to tell him what happened. Yeah, yeah, and, and right. he had he had no explanation for it. You know, um, he just accepted that we changed the dog food, and he says maybe you know. I mean, what else is he going to say? <laughs> well, the following year, when you brought the dog back, yeah, and you finally said what happened, did you then say changing the dog's diet had nothing to do with it? Yes, yes. Uh, and- his name is Doctor Phil Cruz. Uh, he's a veterinarian 
on Bird Road, which is 40th Street and 57th Avenue. So if anyone wants to verify with Phil, <laughs> uh, uh, he can verify all that information. Well, now, would this incident be one of the incidents in your database at this point? Um, well, I, I also took the survey uh, and I answered the questions like anyone else. But mm. one interesting aspect of it is the healing aspect of it. Uh, we asked, uh, um, uh, after I had that healing, uh, uh, that, that, that experience, um, uh, many, many months later, I found out that there was a book written by Preston Dennett titled UFO Healings. And it was a book that was written over 20 years ago, and it detailed over 200 healings that were fully documented in uh, numerous UFO books uh, and by numerous uh, ufologists. And so what we did in our research study is we asked that same question. Uh, we asked that question of whether um, – well, let, let me just pull out the exact question. Do you believe that any of these ETs have performed a medical healing on either you or another member of your family? And the response we got was 478 people said yes, that they believe that the ETs have performed a medical healing on either on themselves or a member of their family. And uh, so that uh, it jives with what uh, Preston Dennett wrote in that book uh, over 20 years ago. And also all the members of our research committee had heard these stories before. And again, it's, these are anecdotal stories because there has never been an academic research study on uh, on UFO-related uh, contact experiencers. It's just never been this type of study. Except, so, for, except for Jonathan Mack, but of course that was anecdotal too. Correct, correct. Uh, Rudy Shields, uh, who, uh, as you know, worked with Dr. John Mack for, uh, I guess, the last 15 years of his life. Uh, he was also part of, uh, of the John Mack Institute, even after he passed away. And also this other gentleman, Dennis Briefer, who's uh, an advisor to us, he was the director of the John Mack Institute. Both of them told me that the most individuals that Dr. Mack worked with uh, during all of his uh, career working with experiences was only 185 individuals. And he never uh, uh, undertook any type of quantitative studies except some internal you know, surveys that he did on his own, which were never circulated or never published. And so uh, what Dr. John Mack did you know, is not an academic study, as you properly stated, just like the books undertaken by uh, David Jacobs or Bud Hopkins. You know, these are not academic studies. And um, our study is really the first uh, comprehensive uh, academic uh, research study on experiences of UFO-related contact. Okay, and, well, well yeah. I, I, I want to stop you. Just, just get an explanation. Yes. Um, define for us what – I mean, because we're talking about these are – I mean, David Jacobs is, has a new book which he claims was the result of his ongoing study of um, abduction experiences. And so define for us what, in your opinion, is an academic study. Well, I could tell you what our research methodology is. Right. I'll let you do that. Yeah, and, and let me explain that. Uh, again, the research methodology was developed by uh, – oh, I forgot to mention Leo Sprinkle. Of course. Uh, Dr. Leo Sprinkle is also yeah. a, man, man, yeah. a member of our uh, of our board of directors. So the research methodology was developed uh, jointly between these academics who are used to developing, you know, research studies, together with the people that have their boots on the ground. You know, people like Kathy, like like Mary Rodwell, uh, 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 etc. And uh, um, 
uh, Giorgio Piacenza and Rosemary Allen Guiley. They've been working with experiencers, each of them, for over 30 years. And, um, and let me go a little bit about the detail of, of our methodology. First of all, um, there have been very, very few studies on the topic of abduction. And um, uh, we took the approach that uh, uh, we want to work as a team. And most of these studies that had been done on abduction was a one person uh, doing these types of studies. Um, uh, also, we decided to focus not on abduction, but on all types of UFO-related contact, because all of the members in our board uh, knew that abductees are just one per- percentage of the people that are having UFO-related contact. Like, in yeah, my- but it's not just UFO; it's actually weird paranormal stuff too, right? We also included that as well as mm-hmm. part of our, our numerous questions. Mm-hmm. And actually what Free is, is, is undertaking, the UFO-related type of contact experiences, is just the very first attempt to study this phenomenon because uh, our organization believes that all of the various contact modalities, like NDEs, uh, the paranormal contact experiences, UFO-related contact, um, shamanic journeys, remote viewing. Uh, but, wait, but wait, what about pure schizophrenic um, delusions. Okay, we're, we're skipping along a lot of different questions here, but let me address that question. We That's how reviewed, we do it here, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we reviewed about five different uh, previous studies that had been done uh, uh, to determine whether experiencers have mental illnesses. Uh, the major study was done by Dr. Uh, Leo Sprinkle. Uh, he had uh, uh, over 150 different um, abductees that he administered the Minnesota Mental Health uh, Assessment Test. Which the is MMPI? A- yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that is that It's the Minnesota accurate? Multiphasic yeah. Personality in other Index. Words, in other words, the person isn't just raving all the time. The person basically is normal but with an abnormal situation happening. Right. That's that's sort of a, a good reference to it. Um, so there have been uh, about four or five different previous academic uh, studies performed by sci- uh, psychologists uh, to determine uh, whether experiencers, uh, namely abductees, uh, were psychologically abnormal. Um, now, uh, outside of you stating that you know you have had an out of body experience or that you saw a Nietzsche or an alien, you were perfectly normal. Um, I took some of these uh, uh, some of these tests and um, uh, some uh, the uh, some of these tests, not the Minnesota one, uh, but just whether you you might have you know schizophrenia or these other types of diseases, and they ask questions like, "Have you ever had uh, an out of body experience?" You know, mm. and and mm. and if you answered that, that means that you were you know partially nuts okay they 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 answered other types of questions uh, yeah but if uh, you're but if you can recount it as a sane person saying yes i had this insane moment then it, then you're not nuts it's the nutty people the sad people who need i mean you know obviously medication but it's when they can't snap out of it they're you know uh, at will that's where the i think that's the only difference really no um, there are a lot of differences well but but let's but let me put it this way the the, the experience that you're describing you know, with a little plasma entity and a and and missing time, that's as nutty as you can get. Well, yes, yes, it, it, yeah, it but is. you're recounting and it in an elaborately sophisticated way, which means you're not nuts. Well, right? go ahead. You well, could if I could answer, if I could answer ahead, that, uh, uh, Leo has been in this game for almost fifty years. And uh, uh, he was—he actually administered three different types of tests over 
uh, three different periods of time to determine the uh, psychological profiles. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's the title of one of his uh, uh, articles, Psychological Profiles of, uh, of UFO uh, uh, Experiencers. And, uh, and we debated whether to do our own, but what we concluded was that there already have been established five separate independent peer-reviewed uh, studies on this, and all of them concluded the same thing, that uh, um, I don't know, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, Maybe uh, uh, Bob can kick in, but uh, what was determined that uh, this uh, cohort group of, of UFO contact experiences are just as normal as uh, as anyone else. They didn't have these types of of uh, of, uh, of of psycho or pathological traumatic type of uh, of of, um, of, um, of of diseases, whatever you might call them. And so we decided not not to pursue that because, first of all, that test is very, very expensive. You need a license. You have to spend a lot of money to get the license to do that. For an MMPL, right? Yes, correct. Plus, we had over 2,200 individuals from over 80 countries all over the world that took phase one. So, uh, you know, it was like totally prohibited from doing that. And since we already had established, and Leo was the expert on our board that had done that research for many, many years, uh, we decided to, to move, move along on that question. Well, Ray, you're exactly right. Uh, and keep in mind, too, uh, John Macker won the, the Pulitzer Prize uh, it, for his work in research in, in psychiatry, uh, who worked with the far less fewer uh, individuals who ha- have allegedly had, have had abductions. He deemed all of these individuals as, as normal, uh, and he believed in their stories. Um, uh, and that's essentially, too, what we are looking at. Uh, as a researcher, uh, I'm well aware of, of some of the negative aspects of survey instruments such as what we have used. Uh, anybody could criticize our work, certainly. But the point is this. How else can we obtain more information about this unique phenomenon uh, in, in ways in which we have in the past which have not achieved an answer to the who, what, and why is associated with the phenomenon. We've learned a great deal about the, the nuts and bolts, the kinematic behavior of, of, these, of this phenomenon, and that's great. That's very important. We have learned a great deal. But we have to understand the essence of the experience that people undergo, the changes in their consciousness, the, the life-changing transformations that they experience after contacts, which is highly unique. And we're not talking about just a few individuals. We're talking about many thousands who we already have collected in our database, and and we will be obtaining more worldwide over time. Uh, This is just another way or layer in which we can better understand the uniqueness of this phenomenon that will um, add to what we already do know about the physical manifestation about its in- the inability to, to adhere to our laws of physics as we know it in terms of inertia it, it and gravity. Sounds like, it sounds like varieties of religious experiences. Well, I guess my um, – are you in, in, in the um, – as you collect data, are you reserving um, separate categories for where that data is backed up or where that anecdotal report – let's start from that – is backed up either by the accounts of other witnesses present um, or physical evidence as a result of that experience? 
we we don't have without looking at physical evidence other than the the impact emotional evidence in a sense which really can't be quantified or measured as we would would like in terms of electromagnetic energy in, in the form of a, a cylinder in some wheat field like UFOs have reportedly left. Now, uh, so there are limitations associated with this. However, in our surveys, many individuals, a large percentage of the, you know, thousand or plus individuals who claim to have had some degree of contact with non-human intelligent beings um, do indicate that that more than one person was with them at the time of mm-hmm. their uh, contact or communication, yeah. whether the, the being num- on board or not. 60, 64% have had witnesses. That's and right. in some cases, what's so astounding is that even when the person himself or herself doesn't remember the actual moment of that encounter, the, basically the event horizon of that encounter, especially among children, there would be other people present who would say, oh, yeah, I've forgotten about this, but I remember that day when, and then they would talk about that, but not, of course, know what happened after the person uh, had been physically abducted. Well, isn't it kind of, if, if, if something happens in your life that is completely unconventional and you have no way to file it, wouldn't that, just for sanity's sake, mean that you kind of have to quickly forget it? And... I'm always fascinated by people who go the opposite like Chris and say, I'm not going to forget it. I'm going to try to keep on examining it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is indeed the case. I agree completely. Um, and what's interesting is that what, in, it, as part of our survey, which we will follow up with more in-depth interviews, and we're in the process of doing that now and analyzing qualitative information that will get actually to the, your question at hand uh, regarding other individuals with them at the time, of which there were more than what one might suspect. But when we talk about abductions too, we're not only talking about physical abductions, which apparently has reported to happen, but also conscious abductions in a sense, because people do do report based on the the survey instruments we, we have administered and the conscious recall. This is an important component of our study. These individuals at least claim to have had conscious recall of being aboard a craft or meeting a non-human intelligent being in the, in their home or elsewhere. And that differs from some prior studies in the past and why in which you know hypnotic regression has been used, which obviously can be useful in many ways, but it is subject to criticism by the scientific community, and thus we we are avoiding that population, adding just, a little bit to, more validity to it. Yeah, just to clarify what Bombs just said, in phase one and phase two, we specifically asked for individuals to answer their questions based upon conscious, explicit memory. Mm-hmm. And not memory from hypnotic regression, lucid dreaming, uh, from channeling, mystical meditation, et cetera, et cetera. It had to be conscious, explicit memory. And those are responses that we got were based upon conscious memory. Well, when you checked that checkbox off, did you, uh, if you've already had a regression with a very hypnotic, persuasive, charismatic leader or, you know, uh, hypnotist, you could be th- you could have stuff implanted, basically, that, that you think is real and you consciously remember as real. I know for a fact that happens. Um, 
Well, I, th- those types of issues we're going to be getting at in phase three and phase four, because yeah, phase three yeah. is where we ask these qualitative type of questions, these open-ended questions. And we ask them, have they ever been hypnotically regressed, yes, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, yes. And we ask numerous questions. And yeah. there we asked, what source of memory is this coming from? Was it conscious explicit memory? Was it from hypnotic regression? Was it from a lucid dream? Was it from a, a remote viewing, channeling, mystical meditation, etc.? So they're, uh, they're able to answer that question, but they're also stating us uh, where that information came from. But that's just in phase three. But for phase one and phase two, we asked them just specifically uh, to base that information from conscious explicit memory. And Why is it broken is, into four phases? Because the first two phases are quantitative in nature. Um, uh, yes or no from one to five, that type of thing. And so uh, phase three, uh, we asked open-ended questions. We asked 70 questions. And then it allows the experiencer to either write a paragraph or two or even a couple of pages on each specific question. And then the phase four is going to be the actual formal one-on-one interview. Now, how are you accounting for, or if you are accounting for, um, let's just say, uh, Professor Davis, how are you accounting for false memory syndrome? Well, uh, here again, with, with the survey studies of this type, you cannot adequately control with 100% at least uh, false memory syndrome, let alone other types of personality disorders that could certainly uh, provide false information. Uh, we cannot, as Ray had mentioned earlier, administer standardized psychological batteries to these individuals for many obvious reasons. We'd love to do so. That's not feasible. It's not, mm-hmm. not, not logistical. Thus, we have to work with what we have. And it, it, it will always be criticized, like any study would, on that basis alone. Any survey study can be criticized, especially when it involves emotions and, and, and topic matters. So uh, perplexing Bizarre. is this, whereby many, many psychologists would consider someone schizophrenic if they talked, uh, talking about the experiences we're dealing with. The key is this. Why are there so many people having such life-changing transformations in their behavior? Uh, thousands, if not more. We, we don't have a handle on the incident, incidents, but just in our study alone, we're looking at thousands of people, apparently, so far, who are, who are sharing experiences that, are, that can't all be delusional. Are 100% of these individuals have been suffering from some type of mental disorder or fantasy proneness, a dissociative disorder of some type contributing to the symptoms? Um, theoretically possible. Maybe there's some aspect of psychology we don't understand yet, like there are aspects yeah. of science, scientific principles we don't understand. Uh, we can't rule that out conclusively either. But we cannot adequately, again, control for that variable as best as we possibly can following the scientific method. But, but however, we are trying yeah. to address it. We are trying to address it by asking them about their, you know, their psychological history. Of course, they could be lying. We're going to follow up with in interviews uh, in, in using certain types of qualitative uh, phenomenological techniques to get at the heart of the matter, to rule in, rule out potential. You're right. Uh, you know, fantasy proneness. I, I, I question that myself. We discussed that at length in our, uh, in our meetings. I agree completely with, with that. And, and people always criticize that. But, the, but again, the numbers 
kind of con- contradict that in the sense that how how could so many people say, uh, did you feel separated from your body? 54% of the th- plus thousand individuals we surveyed said yes. Uh, did, did, did you meet a, a mystical being, if I may just review some Go results, ahead. for yeah, instance? So I sensed their presence or actually saw this being. Seven, about you know, Over 70% of the individuals said... Uh, had these types of experiences? Did you seem to enter some other unearthly world? Uh, over 70% said they entered a, a, some unfamiliar and strange place or a mystical, unearthly realm. Did you feel a sense of harmony or unity with the universe? I felt united or one with the world. 54% said that. Did you suddenly seem to understand everything? Uh, about 60% said they understood everything about the universe, myself or others. Well, uh, could you, you also... The, yeah. If, if I could just add to what Bob said, uh, we're also talking about entire families, okay? Almost 80% of the cases have had other family members. And in most of those cases, it's multi-generational. So if one person's insane, then you're going to have the wife is insane, the parents insane, their well, children let's, insane, yeah, let, their brothers aside. and sisters. Well, then how do you control for parents sharing these kinds of anecdotal stories with their children or grandparents with children and hence details from one generation seep into the next, not necessarily based on the experience itself, but upon a memory of being told certain kinds of things yeah. as a child. How do you correct for that? You're, exa- you're exactly right. For, you know, false memory is, you know, suppression. Uh, reincarnation, study, reincarnation studies have been criticized just for that since there are psychocultural influences, since most of Ian Stevenson's cases are from India or, you know, Thailand, areas where, of course, they believe in reincarnation as, as a belief system concept. Um, however... That might be the case, certainly. I agree, Bill, in, in many cases in the subjects in our study. However, again, I go back to can all the parents be influencing the kids or there, could there be some common psychocultural uh, phenomenon of some type contributing to the similarity of reports? And why, are they, why are over 70% saying uh, my desire to help others increased strongly? My compassion for others has increased strongly since, again, since their encounter with a non-human intelligent being on board a craft or elsewhere uh, and the unique kinds of experience they've had with communication uh, uh, and, and exchanges in, in, in consciousness of some type, uh, alterations of space and time. Um, my appreciation, here's another question, of the ordinary things of life have strongly increased 51%. My interest in psychophenomena has strongly increased 59%. Of, well, I was going to Out of approximately um, 1,000, my love to others has increased over how about, 70%. How about if you flipped it and instead of looking at the uh, what you just said, those all those percentages – if you um, took all these percentages and wiped them away and said that's cultural conditioning, it's stuff that our culture has just somehow or another contaminated, wouldn't you think the 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 non-conforming other 43%, you know, in each case... And how do you come, how do you come to that number exactly, that percentage number? How do you... Well, because you take questions and, and, you know, you because it's a survey and you can... You can um, you can uh, enumerate, you, you can enumerate oh, it easily. Yeah, yeah. 
we 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 utilize a very well uh, accepted uh, scientific research tool, survey research tool, Survey Monkey, which quantifies the data for us. And these are binary uh, responses: yes or no, as Ray had mentioned, uh, one to five scale rating system. So that's why, again, we're going to. Uh, but might there be add might the there qualitative be clues, aspect to this? Might there be clues in the absolutely? unbelievably different stuff that people might say that, that nobody else has, perhaps? Have you, you know, you know where I'm going, I think, uh, right? Well, yeah, we haven't, we haven't analyzed the data in, in sufficient depth to get at the heart of that matter, um, especially I think that would be revealed more so in the qualitative statements. We're, we're in the process now of beginning to do just that, the phase three and phase four testing and analysis. We finished phase three. We're now going to do the analysis aspect of it, and that will better address your results. This is, again, a work in progress, and we're yeah. gonna, this is going to be yeah, enough no, no one has so out study before. before we f- yeah, before we generate strong suggestions, possibly some conclusions, uh, bring in other scientists and quantum physicists to possibly theorize about what the implications of the responses, results mean. Uh, it's going to be open for conjecture, discussion. Uh, we're not going to say, uh, you know, individuals are, are, you know, other forms of life, non-human intelligent beings are here with an objective in mind, and maybe it is to change possibly the personalities, the behavioral belief system, so to speak, of individuals here on Earth. Uh, who knows or not? The point is, uh, if, these data, if these data that I shared uh, are consistent, uh, using a very large data sample worldwide, and this will be over two, three years, and it'll, maybe it won't, will never stop, but this is a uh, we have uh, now incorporated researchers from, as uh, very mentioned, Europe. Uh, we're going to expand into other other areas of the world, and thus we'll we'll look at all cultures, belief systems, and generate a much larger data set, which will add considerable more validity to the results. So we, the results are not. Uh, established as of yet. These are preliminary findings. They're very interesting to, to yeah. discuss. To, to Somebody wonder in, about. The, in the chat wants but to we know. We can't make firm conclusions now. Yeah, can, okay. can we also go into some of the actual findings? Sure, sure. Uh, but let me get the question the from chat first. Go ahead. I want to get. Yeah, I had a, I had a question from uh, chat. They want to know maybe some of the uh, questions uh, that are being asked in these uh, in these surveys. If any of them could be come off as maybe um, bleeding to, you know, leading us for a certain answer. Okay, that's a good point. Go ahead, um, either Bob or, or Ray. Uh, the question is uh, from chat. Are yeah. the questions that you are asking in your – are any of the questions you're asking in your survey leading questions in and of themselves? In other words, right. questions – Purposely that, leading and, to an answer that's going to give right, you the results you want. That's the answers well, that you right. want. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question. It's a matter for interpretation. We we try to c- control for that. Uh, I, I suspect there possibly are some leading questions uh, uh, you can observe the questions and the results on the website experiencer.org, which mm. which was just launched, and and you can judge uh, for yourself. Any anyone in the public can do that. 
uh, and even take the survey. Uh, uh, but nevertheless, uh, again, I go back to can all of these questions be leading, therefore? Uh, I admit maybe some are, but they can't all be. And they can't, even if some were leading, I'm sure not, at least in my opinion, they are not. And also, and we if were they're, very leading, careful they're, to they're leading to yes, for that. And, yes or no, Bob. <laughs> I mean, we ask a question oh, and yeah, that's very you true. answer yes or no. So right, it's not right. like... Uh, we're, well, that we're they have to do. Oh no, but come on. I mean, you're an attorney, race, so you know yeah. that uh, you know that um, if you have somebody either on direct or cross, uh, you know that a series of yes or no questions can be extremely leading. Well, correct. We, we could ask specific questions if you want. We can go over the specific questions. Uh, well, the, the questions here, most of them are geared towards you either answering yes or no. Right. But I mean, okay, so. But can I quickly ask, you know, it, does, in order to get to phase three, do you have to complete phase one and phase two as the, you know, participant? Of course, you can't just skip, you know. No, no, I'm asking, or is it. Baby steps, Is Nancy. it different groups in each group, in each phase? You have to complete the earlier phase to advance to the next phase. Okay. That, that's correct. And what prompted, and what prompted the questions, um, what intrigues me. Uh, Robert, is uh, a question you, uh, uh, you cited before about how your worldview changes. Why did you feel that that was a necessary question to ask? Uh, for one thing, these, these questions, uh, and, and Ray can jump in here, uh, these questions were generated from, from questions that were uh, developed uh, by was it Kenneth Ring, I believe, um, in part, mm -hmm. uh, but they did come from other sources for the most part. Uh, we generated questions to phase three, the qualitative questions uh, that will complement again these questions. So uh, we did review it. We did. Uh, we didn't include all of them. We carefully uh, analyzed the questions before they were uh, submitted. Uh, but we also purposely asked over 600 total questions in both the surveys. Uh, so we're getting sufficient uh, information from a large data set. Um, of course, we can criticize uh, various aspects of the questions, uh, uh, the, the, the potential uh, confounding variables, of, of which there are. We, we're well aware of that. I, I wholeheartedly admit survey research is, is uniquely difficult, which is why we need that large data sample to add validity. That's why we need to supplement, again, these binary responses, yes or no, as we mentioned earlier, with more in-depth qualitative statements, trying to understand as best as possible the impact, the essence of the experience on the individual, uh, whether it's misleading, whether it's psychocultural influences or any other type of bias, I'm sure they filter in. I'm sure they're components, uh, and, mental and disorders, as we mentioned, but they can't all be. They can't all, 100% of it, right, can't be falsified. Right. And if we have, at the, at, you know, the two, three years, we have 10, 20, 30,000 plus, you know, with some substantial results, some, somewhat maybe similar to the numbers I shared, I can go on and on and bore you and your listeners, you know, it's up to you, uh, sharing some of this information, which is remarkable. Truly yeah, well, is. And, and as I'm going through the qualitative in-depth responses, it's beyond belief, uh, some yeah, of them. I don't, I don't that, think it's I, I'm sure there are some distorted individuals in here. 
uh, what are some that jump out at you that that you would consider um, really uh, earth shaking in terms of what people have reported? Let Let me go over some of that data uh, here. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, we asked the questions um, uh, how they view their ET contact experiences. And um, the response that we got back was that uh, less than uh, 15, about 15% viewed their experiences as negative. And this is uh, over a thousand, two, uh, uh, about a thousand individuals that had direct physical ET contact experiences. Um, roughly 70% viewed their experiences as positive. And uh, our team knew that it was more or less along those numbers. But again, this was based upon their anecdotal research of the people that they've been interacting with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there had never been any type of uh, quantifiable statistical study. So this is the first time we were able to, to, to quantify that number that demonstrated that the vast majority of people have viewed their experiences uh, as positive. Uh, another number that, that, that uh, really was striking was that 67% or 1,451 individuals have had an out-of-body experience. And uh, how did you and, – and, and anecdotally, how did they describe that so that you knew that there was a commonality among those experiences? Well, we asked that question out-of-body experiences, and some of the questions we actually defined what that term is. Okay. But, uh, but in the uh, 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 phase three, we went in and we defined what these terms were and allowed them to describe in writing in detail that experience. So we're then able to determine whether indeed it is, you know, for example, we also asked it of near-death experience. Is mm-hmm. it a typical near-death experience that, that we're talking about? Or is it that you were in, near an auto accident, you evaded, and you turned to the left, you know? And we're right. also going to be asking that question uh, as well. Uh, uh, all of these questions in our interviews. So in the interviews and in phase three is where we're going to be actually getting the details of it. But we also found out that uh, a very large percent had near-death experiences uh, as well. Um, uh, For example, let let me, can I go over some of these uh, questions? Yeah, you can, because one of the big questions that I have is how does a person know, I mean, like the only the only real out-of-body experience, and I'm not sure whether it's out-of-body or near-death, I'm going to say it's out-of-body, experience was President Clinton's experience when he was getting his bypass surgery. And he said he was able to look down, see himself on the table, see the doctors operating on him, and, and actually hear their voices. Now, yeah, that's the first stage of a near-death experience. Okay. Yeah. And which is technically an out-of-body experience. Right. Okay, yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's what I'm looking for, are those definitions. Cor- cor- correct, yeah. No, we, we, we state the actual definitions in the phase three. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, in the, uh, in the formal interviews, that we're going to be going over that. But let me go over some of the responses here. For phase okay. one, we had uh, over 2,200 responses. For phase two, 1,300, almost 1,300. For phase three, we've already received 740 responses. Mm-hmm. And for the interviews, we're going to be interviewing the top 200 cases. We've had responses from over 70 different countries. Again, this is just in English. And we've got our study also running in Spanish. We've had 450 responses in Spanish. We've got it running in French and very soon in German. And we're getting translations in Russian. Um, From the United States, we've had responses from over 40 states. Um, 
we asked them, uh, have they ever seen a UFO? And 1,503 people have said yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we asked the question, were there other witnesses when you saw this UFO? And 64% said yes. We asked them questions whether they possess uh, information on advanced technology or advanced science and physics. They have no idea how they receive that information. 42% said yes. Were you, oh, oh, okay, <clears throat> so were you able – how will you – I'm sure that there are those that will go to the next phase, the interview phase, from that group that have answered this question, yes, that they've received. So how are you going to evaluate the level of their advanced knowledge? Okay, we asked that same question in phase four, but as an open-ended question. Not phase four, phase three, as an open-ended question for them to give us the details of why they answered that way. Okay. And then in the formal interview one-on-one, then we're going to be asking it live, and it's going to be tape-recorded. I would would love it if you – I mean – I think you're going to be one of the interviewers. Oh, I am? Okay, because one of the things that I would love would be to have some of the answers about – quote-unquote advanced technology reviewed by someone um, in that particular field of technology. I mean, We're actually doing that. I mean, my candidate would be Jack Sarfati myself. But yeah, I mean, we have uh, five physicists stuff. associated with free PhD physicists, and they have been reviewing information that's been either in writing, mostly in writing, by experiencers. And uh, some of the cases turn out to be duds, but some of the cases, uh, I would say maybe – one-third of them, turn out to be 100% correct. Have you ever been able to interface, say, with uh, Peter Davenport's database to find out if somebody's experience or sighting was actually seen by others at that point in time? No, we haven't done that. Mm-hmm. Might be worthwhile to check in with him, maybe. Since you've yeah, got a yeah. database. I would say there are two, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say there are two sources of, um, and that's a good point, I would say that there were actually three sources uh, you've got, which I consider to be legitimate in terms of your being able to cross-check to see if there are other, um, see if there's a larger context to the experience. There's obviously the MUFON database, which, of course, Ray, you would know. Uh, There is the MUFON database. There is uh, the Peter Davenport uh, NUFOC database. And then another source that I would use, um, just because he gets so many reports, is uh, George Filer at Filer Files, simply because you've got at least three de- um, decent size uh, databases by folks who don't go out and beat the bushes for these things, and um, that might be one of the – somebody might be tasked – I would say somebody from MUFON would be good. Probably somebody like um, um, well, I'll, I'll I'll shoot you his name because uh, I don't want to say it on the air. Uh, might be good to do some um, cross checking of of databases. Somebody specifically from MUFON. Okay. Well, you know, we can certainly add that uh, type of question into the interview process so that we can get specific information, obviously. That's necessary to do that. If they've ever reported it to uh, to a ufology. That's right. And we have to have, exactly, they'd have to have the details of that as well as as, uh, corroborating details uh, of the event. It doesn't mean it's not possible, but I think it's a very, very insightful idea. In fact, going back to your earlier questions about what, 
uh, stands out? What kinds of responses, um, I guess, impact me the most? If I, if I'm phrasing that correctly, right. I you know I would um, I would say possibly a few. Uh, one is uh, the responses to the question: Do you feel there is some sort of a grand plan? And I'm reading this in motion mm-hmm. that experiences are all a part of. Now the answer was yes, not maybe not surprisingly, but but the magnitude of it in approximately a thousand individuals who again claim they had conscious recall. We are following up with them to to better understand the responses. Guess how many said yes? What percent that is said yes? Ninety, ninety percent. That makes another sense. one. Uh, make make of that as you will. Is it leading? I don't know. Maybe it is, uh, or some other variables are, are factor into it. But but few have that degree of of a majority, a similarity of responses. Yeah, yeah. In other words, have, have you seen um, any evidence of mischief, of perhaps government disinformants trying to screw up with your, you know, to to wreck your um, situation? You know, troll. Well, let, let me explain the process for doing this. Um, phase one can take maybe half hour to an hour to complete. Mm-hmm. Phase two is quite uh, extensive. Uh, it can take several hours, three hours, four hours maybe. Uh, again, if you're taking it seriously, you know, really thinking through your answers, going through it carefully. Um, phase three, the com- biggest complaint that we've gotten is that it's taken days for people to complete phase three uh, because these are written responses to 70 questions. Mm-hmm. And some of these people have had uh, multiple experiences uh, for example, just on an abduction question, uh, many of them have, have been taken, you know, three, four, five, six, or numerous times. So they're writing these ex- all these different experiences um, and uh, or a UFO sightings. Uh, they're writing up all the details. And then the last part is the interviews. These interviews might take several days to complete. So this is, in order for someone to hoodwink us, they're going to be putting in, you know, countless amount of hours uh, to go through this whole process. Right, but so, a government a government disinformant would be logically getting paid. Well, I mean, it. we've got a large pool. This is not like the previous abduction studies mm-hmm. that you had 50 people participating. Right. Okay, we've got several thousand people participating. Right. So it's very easy for uh, two or three government uh, uh, operatives in a 50-person sample pool to mm-hmm. totally screw up the, the numbers versus when you have literally thousands of people participating. Mm-hmm. Now, let, let me ask that question that uh, Bob had answered earlier. To me, the most profound topic area is how people have changed. We incorporated approximately 100 questions from a survey that Dr. Kenneth Ring, who is an emeritus professor of psychology at the University of Connecticut. I know and, who he is, yes. Yes, and he's also one of the top two or three leading academics on NDEs. Mm-hmm. And in 1989, he did a seminal study where he compared 150 people that had near-death experiences with 150 people that had reported abduction, uh, 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 abductions and UFO contact. And what he did basically was a psychological profile to see how they've changed after their experiences. And uh, we reduplicated, uh, we duplicated uh, 100 of those questions. And what we found out overall, uh, anywhere from between uh, 95% to 80%, these, all of these individuals had profound changes. 
um, uh, for example, people before that were atheists all of a sudden are deeply spiritual. People that were religious are not religious, but deeply spiritual. People that cared about money now have zero interest about money. People that were not loving and caring all of a sudden, you know, they're loving and caring. Uh, people that couldn't give a darn about the ecology all of a sudden are the biggest ecologists in the world. Uh, and on and on and on. All of these profound changes for the better. And again, the, the survey results based upon one hundreds of these questions. And again, you could go to our, our website, experiencer.org. You would click uh, the sub-menu that says research. You would go to phase two, the final phase two survey. And you could click on the PDF file called life. Uh, um, let me see the, get the, the life changes inventory. Okay, life changes inventory, and you'll see how people responded. And and once again, what Dr. Kenneth Ring concluded was that both the people that have had near-death experiences and the people that have had UFO-related uh, contact experiences turned out to be the same personality, people that underwent profound changes for the better. Right. And to me, that's what struck me the most, is that when people talk about these experiences – as as being you know like Jacobs you know purely negative and controlling. Well, look at the 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 several thousand people that responded that it deeply changed their life for the better. Um, mm -hmm. We even had a question that asked, uh, uh, "Did these experiences change you uh, for the um, uh, for better or worse, positive, negative?" Uh, or neutral, and the way they answered was that 15% said it was, they changed them uh, negatively, okay? But over 75% stated that it changed them uh, 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 positively, mm -hmm. and then the rest were neutral. So, um, and, and again, this came from a very large sample. And, and, okay. uh, and uh, oh, sorry to cut you off. We have a caller on the line, by the way. Okay. Um, Phone call. Who's on the line? Lou Who's on the line? Something. He's been ahead, waiting patiently Lou. for a few minutes now. Go ahead, Lou. Hi, thanks. Thanks for uh, uh, taking my call. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I would think, given your what you're trying to do, and it sounds like you're much more sophisticated, much more in-depth, but apparently Dr. Mack was involved along with David Jacobs and Bud Hopkins, and they designed a roper poll, which had, I think, 6,000 respondents, and they concluded a significant portion of Americans were abducted, according to Wikipedia, on average 340 a day. Have you guys looked at that poll and picked it apart and either endorsed it or debunked it? No. It's a good question, but we're not really Pardon? doing um, – we're not look, looking at it retrospectively. Respectively. It's almost it's a very good question, but it's, it's like looking at Roswell uh, or Rendlesham or Phoenix Lights, which is very important. We learn a lot about it. It's a source of debate, but again, it doesn't get at the heart of the matter. I think it doesn't, at least. Uh, whether or not we do is another thing uh, that remains to be seen. But, but uh, so we're looking at it prospectively. Uh, and what Ray mentioned is, is very right uh, and very insightful in the sense that there may be. Uh, uh, an interrelationship between NDEs and UFOs and other paranormal uh, phenomena. This is not a unique idea, but it starts to get into uh, the, the, the controversial, mysterious 
journal of quantum physics, which we don't have the time to, to discuss, but I am a, a, attempting to address that in, in a book I'm now writing on the afterlife as a follow-up to, to my UFO, UFO book. But there are similarities. that The life-changing transformations that Vray has mentioned, as I had mentioned earlier, are unique. Uh, and the question is why. Uh, here again, uh, we can get into the synchronized universe model or other aspects of the multiverse that possibly may be shared or possibly may be a component uh, of quantum physics, which is, is highly theoretical in nature. And, and we have, in, in fact, as Ray had said earlier, many physicists on our research team and board of directors who, again, will be looking at this uh, and, again, theorizing, not proving that this is a holographic universe that we all live in and, and all the electrons are interconnected to the past, to the future, and then some. I mean, we, we can really kick this around, but, again, uh, it goes so far. I uh, so you're talking about a block. Basically, a block universe is is what you're talking about, where there's um, interconnectivity. Really, well, we, we're time. talking about a not a non three right a non three universe, universe possibly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, that might be might be uh, somehow tapped in terms of non-locality, which is experienced uh, in ESP ex- experiments as well, and possibly NDEs, if if valid, if that is in fact a true separation of some energy consciousness from the body, whatever you, we may want to call it, spirit, soul, whatever, or. <laughs> Or, or not. Uh, but here again, we see overlap. And the question is, is there is, is a consistency of symptoms? Uh, is there an overarching umbrella to all of these components or not? And we're just asking that. And, and the answer might be or might not be in quantum mechanics. And it's interesting to discuss, you know, at the very, at the very least. Well, the person who uh, researched and to that, that around. I'll tell you who researched that as early as 1920 was Thomas Edison. Because the last invention, that's what I'm fascinated by, that you're doing a study of the afterlife, because that's exactly what Edison did for the last 10 years of his life. That was his invention. He believed that there was an afterlife, if, even if it was only the afterlife of electrons. I mean, if that makes any sense. And um, he tried, and, and Tesla also tried to do this, but he was doing it with radio waves. But Edison's approach was that whatever, he called them life units in his diary, whatever life units comprised the living organism didn't necessarily um, disentangle upon the individual's death. And, and so as a result, they could be pinged by some device. His device happened to be a beam of light because he thought that a beam of photons could be interrupted by a beam of by um, electrons and set off a meter. And that was his experiment. Didn't work, but that was his experiment. So, I mean, it's fascinating that um, over a hundred years ago, uh, Thomas Edison. Well, a hundred years ago, Thomas Edison was approaching this very question as his last invention. Uh, 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 Bill, can I um, follow up what Bob said and what you're alluding to? Uh, f- we have formed uh, a subcommittee uh, that's going to be looking at the relationship between NDEs and UFO-related contact. And let me go over some of the commonalities. Uh, okay. 
first of all, the number one type of entity seen by UFO-related contact experiencers are not the greys, okay? It's the human, uh, 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 the being that looks just like you and I. Right. Okay. Uh, that's number one. That's like 55% of the individuals. The Nordics is what they're called. Yeah, and, and they all comes in different shapes and colors, but basically human. Um, and then uh, uh, the communication, how does it take place in both uh, uh, um, the, um, with the NDE? That's the type of being that is seen. They don't go up there and see a frog, you know. Mm-hmm. They see a human uh, being that's up there, uh, uh, both in terms of the spirits that are seen and also in terms of the entity that uh, is see- identified as God, okay? Uh, also, how is communication taking place? telepathically in both UFO-related contact and NDEs, okay? Secondly, in, um, in uh, NDEs, there, uh, many of them, at least a third, are, show, are given a life review, which is uh, the ability to manipulate space-time to go back and experience uh, uh, your past. Okay, as if you're consciously in that body experiencing these experiences. With UFO-related contact, many of the individuals are seeing glimpses of the future. They're they're shown videos. They're shown three-dimensional uh, holograms, just like an NDE. They describe it like a three-dimensional hologram, but they're being shown of the future, of what could happen if we don't change uh, in, in our planet. Um, also. Uh, um, uh, ESP skills, precognition, uh, telepathy. When people come back from an NDE, uh, those are super heightened, uh, just like people that have had UFO-related contact. Are you administering a test to test for that very thing, as Dean Radin did? We're, we're, we're asking those questions. Whether, yeah, you should you should do some tests. That would be really yeah. Well, here's the thing: we could ask a million questions, you know, thousands, thousands of questions. But again, we don't have a penny. <laughs> so right. if there's a multi-millionaire that's out there that's willing to fund this, uh, uh, we're doing all this as volunteer. I myself. Why don't, you go, Google, why don't you go to Google University? Because they're uh, um, <clears throat> they're moving along the same track you are. Not so much in the field of UFOs, but in the field of um, shall we say, extraordinary experiences. Yeah, no, there's, uh, as I said, we, we, we've been working on this research study for two years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we've got an 11-member team and about 40 volunteers. As I said, we've got a whole bunch of uh, physicists, but a lot of them are not public. Given well, um, let me, let me ask a, a question that kind of uh, a member of chat just yeah. brings up. And it's he he. This person says I've had an NDE, an alien, uh, and an LSD experience, and they don't seem related, other than each were experiences of non ordinary reality. How many of your subjects have had uh, crossovers in these different experiences, and and do they agree with um, our friend Benjamin? Uh, we've asked questions about different types of uh, of. Um of, of uh, uh, contact experiences uh, with non-human intelligence uh, in terms of remote viewing, channeling, um, shamanic journeys, uh, you know, uh, through any type of hallucinogens, uh, uh, NDEs, et cetera. We did ask those questions. So, uh, uh, and But we'll what be, I'm saying is, does yeah. one person have not just one kind of experience, but multiple experiences? 
uh, well, th- those are the data that we're, ch- we're going to be crunching out now. Okay. In uh, uh, We have a statistician that's working with us, and we have a statistical qualitative program. We're not just crunching out you know, quantitative numbers, but actually doing analysis of qualitative studies. So you're using something like SPSS on your data. We've got SPSS for the quantitative yeah. aspect, and we're using uh, NIVIO for the qualitative data. Okay. So, yeah. And actually, Bob and Dr. John. One question was, have you ever had a near-death experience? 35% said yes. So certainly we'll be looking at those individuals who responded yes and further exploring that. Right. But but, um, you could you could. Can you tell if, you know, character? I mean, you're calling people by numbers, I guess, not by their names or you have some kind of way. We don't have any names. It's completely anonymous. Anonymous. Okay. so does uh, subject number one. If he's had more than one experience, if he's taken LSD and and has also been abducted, do you account for how many of the people are having crossover experiences? Can you tell that? Yes, we can crossover tell. Crossover experience. Well, in our, in our qualitative phase three, we are, as Ray mentioned earlier, we are specifically asking them repeatedly uh, what type of consciousness state they were in and he listed all of them one of course being conscious recall the others being one of many including drug-induced shamanic uh, meditation lucid dreaming etc 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 so we that's an important dependent variable because we're going to be looking for similarities and and uh, dissimilarities within and between all of those uh, to see, mm-hmm. you know, are, is conscious recall uniquely uh, different, and if so, yes. how? That, yes. Again, more questions may emerge from that than answers alone, but but it is yes. an important component. I, I agree completely with your question, and we 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 have been you know built in. Can can I address one one topic question? I think it's very sure. very important, sure. and and that is the medical healing. Uh, the reason we asked that question, as I stated earlier, was because everyone in our group has heard anecdotal uh, commentary from experiences of medical healing. And um, um, so we asked that question, and, and we came up with 476 people that stated that the ETs have either healed uh, themselves or a member of their family. Well, and, um, well, the issue would be, obviously, here's the issue in that, since since at that point, you have crossed over from um, subjective recall into um, uh, ascertainable, uh, uh, demonstrable, eviden- um, evidentiary material um, dealing with um, something medical. Correct. So, in, in the interviews, we're in asking them for uh, for records. Yeah, for and those records, photos, cases, pictures. You want. Yes, yes, we're asking those in the interviews. Yes, because that would be because you really can't go anywhere yeah. unless you have something like and, – and, and we MLS do have a lot of that already. Just things uh, like, uh, yeah. I'm talking to people. Uh, I mean I could give you stories. This one lady um, was going to have a, um, a cancer uh, cut out from her back. And um, she had been praying uh, to, for, the inti- uh, for uh, intervention. And at that point, she saw an entity knocked her out, and all of a sudden she woke up with the cancer totally carved out. Um, and she showed it to the doctor uh, before pictures and afterwards and went to the doctor, and the doctor uh, hadn't, you know, uh, she told him exactly what happened. Um, and, what did the re- 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 and what did the doctor say? Well, there's no explanation for it. How, well, what can he explain? Uh, uh, have you ever heard of, of Reverend Michael Carter, 
who's yes. an ordained, ordained yeah, yeah, minister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. He uh, graduated from New York Theological Seminary, okay? He uh, publicly stated about a healing that he had. He was, uh, came out of the hospital. He had one leg twice the size of the other. And then uh, um, he had been praying uh, because he was in a lot of pain. And then this human-looking being, you know, a typical Palladian type, appeared to him, very tall, seven feet tall, um, touched him, knocked him out. And when he woke up, his leg was completely normal. Um, and, and we've heard literally hundreds of these types of stories right, in, in our he, phase three. But yeah, is there any present evidence of here is my leg before – see, uh, what we need to get to is here's yeah, my leg we're gonna, before. We're asking that in my leg phase after. four questions. Yeah. And, 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 and how can we verify yeah, these stories besides the, the, exactly. the doctor here? Evidence. How do you verify the stories? Right. Well, I, uh, at least I mean, have you guys gone on a serious question? I mean, have you guys gone that step? One of the I spoke and, with in Australia has the complete uh-huh. medical records of okay. both before and after. And, well, uh, how can I see? They, how, how can we verify that story if it's in Australia? It's a question. No, no, but Mary Rodwell is a very is a no, very no, I, interesting I trust lady. Mary Rodwell. I mean, you know, um, I can say yeah, actually, Christmas, this this yeah. came from Mary Rodwell. Yeah, no, I I totally. I mean, Mary Rodwell and I, when we were speaking to Mary, um, there was this one series of events, actually about an hour away from here, in which this one. Um, experiencer uh, heard these beings talking to each other after he had he said he had frightened them I mean it's a long involved story I'm not going to go into it it's on video Uh, we may that may be a pilot for uh, uh, for a series but he he um, he heard this clicking sound which really struck me because um, in Africa, Bantu and other languages like that, if you ever heard Miriam Makiba singing, you'll know that she will click. That's part of that language. You can click on the left side of your cheek, on the right side of your mouth. You can click on, on both at the same time. And, that, and those are phonemically important in certain African languages. And so the, these entities were clicking to each other. So out of nowhere, Mary Rodwell says, well, gee, you know, I, there was this one case in the UK where um, this person was hearing these clicking sounds. So it, it, it's things like that where, you know, who would think of an ET doing a click, doing a clicking sound? Makes- oh, yeah, we, we, we've discussed that internally. Most people know of cases where the ETs were clicking. And actually, Mary has a recording of it. Yes, she does. Exactly. She told yeah. me. Mary, Mary shared that recording with me. I gave it to an old professor, a friend of mine, uh, an internationally recognized uh, phonetician, linguist. Uh, asked him, tell me what you think. <laughs> he, he never heard anything like it. He couldn't recognize it. And this well, is an expert in the a, field. I would love I'd, I'd like it independently audio. verified. No, I, but, I would love a copy of the audio only because I can, I can get it to this person to see if that resembles the language, of, if he heard that before when those entities yeah, there you go. That were match it up. Yeah, I, that's what mm-hmm. I intend to do. If I can get a copy mm-hmm. of that tape, I can ask Mary. I guess yeah, th- this is common you. knowledge, Bill, among people that work with experiencers, because internally as a group we've discussed that that topic, and everyone has heard uh, experiencers talk about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and Mary has, has dealt with this on a one-to-one basis in, in her various uh, uh, you know, psychological analysis, analytical ways. 
Um, now we're looking at it on a grand scale, but it, it seems that what Mary's experiences are, of which she's written and talked at great lengths about in various contexts worldwide for many years, as you well know, Bill and, 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 uh, Nancy, um, we, we are now seeing her experiences being revealed by, you know, many people who are responding to our surveys. And, mm-hmm. and we need, of course, more clarification. So there, there is a connection. Uh, again, the implications and the associated who, what, and whys of the phenomenon remain to be seen, of course. Uh, but, but that's why when I wrote my UFO book, uh, I, it was pretty much nuts and bolts. I got into a little quantum physics, paranormal, alien inductions, yes. But, but what's interesting, I didn't know about free at the time. I literally, I mm-hmm. literally finished the book. Appeared on radio shows like this one, and Ray and other members of Free listened to my uh, discussions and asked me to listen to to their objectives and and Free, of course. And uh, it's remarkable. Uh, I certainly, you know, believe there is something very profoundly occurring. At least that's yeah. what I will conclude at this point in time. Uh, that's way beyond the nuts and bolts of ufology. And, right. I, and I've given up on trying to analyze, you know, if, right. if, if there were warthogs dropping, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, balls of flares in Phoenix, Arizona, and mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff. And Roswell, I don't want to even hear about it anymore. Mm-hmm. We're never going to find out, uh, you know, any more than what we already have uncovered. Well, the, you know, the, Alan, the, Hynek, uh, I, Alan Hynek said it right. There is something profoundly strange uh, that's going on that's, extra, that's you know, beyond our terrestrial mode of thought. He knew there was this kind of characteristic and transformative he knew, he knew aspect more, on individual. He knew he there was a conscious than, component to it, you. as did John Mack, as did Jacques Vallée. Well, we see it now. Now, uh, are we all right? Who knows? Well, uh, but it is confirming some of the – and I listen to them. Uh, you know, they're not crackpots like, like much of ufology is. While they're a very sane, sound, very contributing individuals from all disciplines uh, that have made great advancements in our field and it's necessary. But there are too much – there's too much – uh, pseudoscience, um, and and that's why ufology is not deemed an accepted science by the scientific community, which is very unfortunate because we need more scientists engaged, and Absolutely. that's what free is all about. Absolutely. In my book, I call for it, the need for a governance structure under the proper leadership that Ray, in fact, is primarily giving in the, in the form of uh, energy, direction. Uh, he's tying the knots. He's connecting the dots. He's done a, a remarkable job uh, in, in all aspects of free. And, and I'm happy to be on board in a small capacity, primarily with the research component of it. But, but the, the, the point is there is something true, truly profound what is going on. And I will at least make that conclusion. And, and the answer is un, obviously unknown, but humanity must be made aware of this. And this is where free steps in, too. It's not only pure research. It's also educational, and it's also supportive for those who are experiencers and do not know, how, you know who to discuss this issue with. It's educational in the sense that we plan to do a documentary uh, besides discuss free at, in, in various venues, you know, like boss, giving at, you know, at talks. Hillary, I'll, I'll break in for a second. Uh, um, at, at some point, do you contemplate um, with some of your most vivid reports from subjects with verifiable physical aspects to it, with multiple witnesses, uh, which is how I'd filter it, 
do you contemplate um, trying to get uh, some institution like Mass General, but I doubt they do it for free, but some institution uh, to at least try to take a look at CAT scans or MRIs to see if, as the person recounts that experience, I mean, here's the study that I would design. Obviously, it takes dough. But to get the person to recount the experience during um, either an MRI session or a CAT scan session so you can actually see which parts of the brain light up. Basically, which parts get involved during the retelling of that story? Is there a commonality among, uh, let's say, um, neural responses in the retelling of the story that basically can be tabulated by, um, by ultrasound? Um, those are the kinds of things that I'd love to see because that would be the kind of, I mean, if there is a change in the person from a personality perspective or from a psychological perspective, It'd be, it'd be really um, intriguing to see if there's actually a neurological change in the individual as well. Um, you're exactly right. I, I, ideally, I'd love to look at that too, but it reminds me of the EEG, PET scans, F, fMRI studies done in those who have gone into trances, mediums, that is. Of course. And, and uh, 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 others who, have, uh, who have, have altered states of consciousness in various ways in, during ESP, telepathic communication experiments, they show more brain a gamma brainwave activity uh, that's uniquely different than a control group. Yes, we see, you know, that's been verified. However, when you look into consciousness studies, looking at, again, just what you're talking about, positron emission tomography, uh, you know, various parts of the brain have been identified as lighting up, so to speak, or showing greater or lesser activity. And, and various theories emerge uh, in terms of where is consciousness. And, you know, and someone says the angular gyrus, this one says the hippocampus, you know, on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Then we get, it gets into difficulty. What's the criteria of consciousness? That's being debated. The Lazarus effect just recently it, it came about in terms of, you know, what is clinical death? I mean, we have to first <laughs> define that. Although it's been defined, it is widely disputed. So you're, you're exactly right. But, but the more questions emerge in, in the process, it seems. I got a question from Chad that I wanted to get in. Um, it, they want to know, uh, when would the study be completed? Right now, we're uh, in the middle of phase three. Uh, next week, uh, in two weeks, we're going to be meeting to begin discussing the methodology for our interviews, phase four. And we'll probably be discussing that methodology over a, a two-month period, a series of meetings. We already had uh, uh, three or four meetings discussing phase four in the past. And um, so we expect the uh, interviews to begin sometime by late summer. Um, and then is the hard part of actually analyzing this data right. because uh, mm -hmm. we need to do statistical analysis and then we need to do uh, um, cross-tabulating analysis like some of the questions, uh, uh, Nancy, you were asking, you know, comparing one right. question with another question. Right. Um, then it's the, uh, the analysis of the qualitative uh, information um, and we need to be able to transcribe the formal interviews, these are 200 people that we need to get transcriptions right, right, right. from. Well, are you taking donations? Yes, we're taking donations, but it's um, we're basically funding it internally. Um, in, uh, our own members are funding this as we're going through, okay, and okay. this is not cheap. Just the uh, qualitative uh, and, and NIVEO instrument 
I think it was close to eight hundred dollars, Bob. Was that uh, wow? Yeah, it's, wow, that's about it. Yeah, about eight hundred dollars. Wow. The Survey Monkey. We're using the baby version of it. Mm-hmm. That's three hundred dollars a year. Wow. Um, uh, we just completed our wow. website. Uh, you know, we had to pay someone to build that. Yeah, it's a cool uh, website. I was having a really good time with it today. Just yeah. kind of getting, just having fun. But um, so y- there is a donate button somewhere on your website. Yes, right? we have a donate button, and once again, the website is experiencer.org experiencer.org and all of our research data is there from phase one and phase two it has our research methodology it has the actual questionnaire for phase three but it's important for folks to note that we already did a cutoff uh, for our research study we're Mm -hmm. still collecting data but that data is not being included as part of our formal research study because we didn't want people to say that uh, now that you've gone public you're tainting the sample pool Um, True. So on purpose, we'd stayed quiet uh, from publicly releasing right. our, our, our data. Um, so we had a cutoff date of December the 9th, even though we didn't talk about this for the next two months. Uh, that was just the date that we used to cut off our data because we, we had thousands of people already um, participating. Well, are and, you going to take a waiting list and start another survey when this one's done? Well, we're still collecting uh, uh, data from phase one and phase two, et cetera, as mm. we go along. So uh, we're still collecting that data. And then on top of that, we have not closed the, um, the, the data from the different languages. That's uh, wow. in its infant stages. So we foresee this study is going on, continuing for numerous years, as long yeah. as we live. I mean, it sounds like you've gotten quite a response. Yeah, we've had 2,200 individuals yeah. in English respond. Uh, in Spanish, we've had 450 people respond. Um, so it's, it's, uh, we're getting close to 3,000 people. Okay, so um, actually we are running out of time. It's almost midnight. So um, again, um, Ray, uh, uh, Dr. Bob, could you just uh, uh, let us know what your websites are and how potential – experiencers can get in contact with you just even if it's only just a talk okay bob let me just get that yeah once again the website is experiencer.org we just mainly focus today about the research topic of it but we also have various uh support programs uh we have about five or six different support programs for experiencers we have a therapist support list which has over 200 names from all over the world yeah, that's good. That's that's what that's, that's important. Good. And also, um, Dr. Robert Davis has a has one my, book. Yeah, it's called the UFO Phenomenon. Should I believe? Mm-hmm. Uh, and my website is the UFO Phenomenon dot com, and they could uh, you know, read more about the, the and book. the book you're working uh, on is the book you're working. I tell on. about the book published. Life after death. Should I believe? Should I believe? Yeah, yeah okay. uh, Schiffer Publishing. Uh, Schiffer Publishing. And is is that the same publisher that published your first book on UFOs? Yes, both are. And yes. they can and they can find it on Amazon and BNN and places and like that. And linked up from Future Theater. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. So I, I want to thank our guests. I I want to thank our guest, Professor Robert Davis, and um, uh, Ray Hernandez Esquire, for joining us tonight uh, and talking about free, talking about their experiences, talking about their research. Uh, folks, go to the website, get in contact with these gentlemen. Uh, if you had experiences, talk to them. 
because at the very least you should share um, in a very non-judgmental way what you've experienced. Um, our guest next week is, is the great Paul Davis. It is Paul Davids. Yes, uh, Paul Davids is our guest next week. Right, my friend Paul Davids from Princeton. So. Um, we are uh, Bill and Nancy Burns on Future Theater Live on PSN uh, Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network. And we hope you have a wonderful week uh, in the Northeast. Uh, you guys enjoy the last snow of the season. And we will see you next week right here on Future Theater. Bye.